Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... So we need to learn to understand the voice of God. Then we respond to what God says with the words of our prayers and, yes, a variety of emotions. I think that if, you're, if you get up in the morning or at night or whenever you should, or morning, noon, and night, whenever you sit and you read your Bible, if you're reading your Bible and you're not ever prone to get emotional, you're not paying attention. While many people say they are Christians, they struggle to explain what they believe and why they believe it. However, most people freely admit that they pray to God regularly. The next question we might want to ask is, what do people pray for? As we study the scriptures, it becomes obvious that Bible writers prayed very differently than we do. We tend to pray for our own needs, which is okay, However, the Bible writers seem more focused on praying for the glory of God in the world and for deep spiritual blessings for God's people. These prayers are not only for us to be blessed, but they also teach us how to pray. To learn more, here's Pastor Jim in Ephesians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul has just given us an incredible description of the blessings that God's people have. Who are God's people? The Bible and the Bible writers would define it as those who've put their trust in Jesus Christ. So he's given us an incredible description of the blessings that God's people have in Christ. Next, he moves on uh, to how he prays. He shows us how he prays for the Ephesian church and his thanksgiving to God for them. Now, we call such prayers prayers of thanksgiving, so we're thankful to God, and intercession, we say that we are interceding, we are talking to God on behalf of other people, and let's be honest, right out of the box, we might now want to turn the air conditioning up, Uh, let's be honest, right out of the box, this is very different than the way most of us pray. Most of us pray very differently. Most of our prayers are for American values. We want to be happy. We want to be healthy. We want to have a job. We want to have material blessings. We want our marriages to be good. We want our kids to be fine. And that's all okay, but that is not the way you really see Jesus and the apostles praying. We are to make our needs and requests known to God, yes, But when we watch them pray, we will notice that they pray very differently than we do. Now, remember, and if you weren't here, you can listen online. Remember what we heard in verses 3 through 14. Because if you neglect those blessings in your life and consciously thinking about those blessings in your life, that you were, if you're a Christian, that you were chosen by God, that you were bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, that you now are stamped with the Holy Spirit on your heart, that you belong to God. If you forget those things, it is very easy to feel poor in Christ. Instead of rich in Christ, it's very easy to feel uh, oppressed. It's very easy to feel 
like the future is completely dim and, and nothing in this world is right instead of feeling rich in Christ, protected by the Father and empowered by the Holy Spirit. This may explain why a lot of prayer meetings lose steam and don't seem to really go too far because they may lack power. Why? Well-meaning people praying for the wrong things, not praying for the things that God brings power to his people, but praying for things that maybe are just, maybe let's call them too earthly, and not praying for the things that God would have us to pray for. So while the Apostle Paul prays, he also teaches us how to pray most notably. Are we listening? The Apostle Paul prays for others. The Apostle Paul prays for others. Now, most of us will do that in public, won't we? I mean, we dare not look so narcissistic that we would only pray for ourselves. But I have my spies in when you're praying at home alone. And um, (laughs) mostly when we're in private, who do we pray for? Ourselves. (laughs) We pray for ourselves. And there's nothing wrong with that. We should pray for ourselves, but again, for the right things for ourselves. But what the Apostle Paul prays for and how he prays should characterize some of our individual prayers and certainly some of our prayer meetings. We're going to notice that he prays a lot for the spiritual welfare of others. He prays that the people in the Ephesian church would have deep spiritual blessings in knowing God. That's essentially what he is going to pray for, that the people in the church would know God more deeply. So let's just say it this way. Verse 3 through 14 were about the blessings of God. Verse 15 through 23 are the praise and prayer about the people of God growing in those blessings that we previously learned about. We, we call it in praying in the message. And so, and so what happens is he gave us the message and now he's going to pray it in uh, for them so they know God more deeply. And he shows us that, that prayer and praise are good friends. A lot of times we only pray and we're just kind of all down and out and all bummed out and we go through those seasons. But prayer and praise are good friends and this is often where peace is found. Prayer is something that we should never take for granted. It is an enormous, enormous privilege to be able to speak to God and to be able to speak with God. Now, one of the things is when we pray, a lot of times we struggle in how to listen to God. I can only just tell you after being a follower of Jesus for 30 years how I have found the best way to know the voice of God for me has been to listen to God speak to me through his word. And the more you hear somebody's voice, the more that, that you recognize who it is. So if I were to walk into your house and I were to call for your dog, I'm not comparing you to a dog, but if I were to call for your dog, your dog would probably bark at me and want me to leave the house. But if you call... <laughs> 
feed me, feed me, feed me. <laughs> so, so we learn to hear the voice of God and recognize the voice of God by reading our Bibles and listening to him speak to us. And so we learn to hear his true voice and not our own. Anybody ever tell you something just re- absolutely ridiculous, sinful, so far out in left field and try and tell you it's God? Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to most of us. And then you're like, that couldn't be God. That couldn't be God. He would never tell you that. But that's what happens when people just get an idea that pops into their head and they think that every idea that pops into their head is from God. It's not. <laughs> okay? Just shh, shh. Okay? Every idea that pops into your head is not from God. Uh, just a bit of husbandly advice. After 28 years of marriage, I won't give any marriage advice to the women. Husbands, everything that pops in your head you don't tell your wife, okay? I want to kill you. No, you don't tell her that, all right? Your wife, not my wife. So we need to learn to understand the voice of God. Then we respond to what God says with the words of our prayers and, yes, a variety of emotions. I think that if, you're, if you get up in the morning or at night, or whenever you should, or morning, noon, and night, whenever you sit and you read your Bible, if you're reading your Bible and you're not ever prone to get emotional, you're not paying attention. Because, because a lot of times you're reading your Bible and God is just flooding your brain with things and people and issues and, 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 and his heart for stuff. And it can be, it can be very, very overwhelming. The Holy Spirit will help you pray for the things that the Word of God promises, and He will help you also in your submission to the Word of God and in the things that you're disappointed maybe about uh, that He is not giving to you. So after all that, let's jump in. Verse 15 and 16 begins with thanksgiving. He says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, And your love for all the saints, remember the saints we talked about earlier in the message, those are the people who have put their trust in Jesus Christ. He's writing to them now. They're alive. We think of saints as old dead people who must have been really good till somebody uncovers some bad mystery about them and puts it in the paper. But in the Bible, the saints are the people who have trusted, trusted in God and your love for all the saints so he's saying that, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I've heard about your faith in the Lord and your love for the people uh, in the church, but it also could be for all followers of Jesus. So again, we talked about, you're like, why are you having a guy coming from the Philippines this weekend? Because we love the people in the Philippines. That's why. Why do we give money to some guy in the Philippines? I mean, gosh, we could be, we, instead of having bagels on Sunday morning, we could, be, we could have Taylor ham and cheese sandwiches every morning. Why, what is that, Pastor Jim? Um, because we love the people in the Philippines. We love the people in the places around the world where we're trying to promote the gospel. It's not, it's not just about, it's just not just about us and inside the walls of the, of the church here. So he says, and I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So if you recall, the Apostle Paul is writing from jail, presumably in Rome. And what happened is they were allowed to he would take visitors in. It was a different kind of a, a penal system than we have now. And so visitors would come in and he would have guys who would come and give him reports from various churches. 
So here the people who are coming from uh, the area of Ephesus, maybe that church and all the churches in the area, and they're saying, hey man, listen, uh, you went there, you plant, you got the church going, you got it started, and good things are happening. It's, it's not going south there. It's really good things are happening, and, and, and he's excited about this. He's been away a long time. He probably doesn't know uh, all of them, yet he's full of joy when they are continuing without him. A lot of times when I go away, people go, oh, we did great without you. We really don't need you. I'm, and they think that's, and they're like, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Doesn't offend me in the least. And then I always go, good, I can quit. <laughs> Doesn't offend me in the least. I, <laughs> I'm only with you so much. I want you all to be following Jesus Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday, 365 days a year. He's thrilled about that. And notice the two things that bring him joy. Uh, love for God, their love for God, and their love for God's people. Now, in America, it's all about my personal relationship with Jesus. That works really well as long as you don't read the Bible. That's not, that's not Bible stuff. How often the Bible talks about a people, a group of gathered people, Working through life together, working through their difficulties together, supporting one another together, loving one another. There's you know, tons of 50, 60 love one another's in the Bible. That's what we are supposed to do. This whole idea of, of, of being Christian apart from the body of Christ is foreign to the pages of the New Testament. So, you, so right now, some of your brains are going to to, to friends that you know that you say, well, they've been hurt by the church and they, and they can't come back to the church. Ask them to give it one more shot. Ask them to give us one more shot. If you're a guest here tonight, we're glad that you're here. If you've come here to bring fights and dissension, you're in the wrong place. Sometimes we call ourselves the church drama refugees. Uh, we, don't, we don't want that stuff. And so sometimes we'll encounter people like that, and I'll just nicely say to them, or the other pastors will say, listen, hey, we're not like that here. So uh, there's two choices. Um, you can either come into our way of thinking, and that's the choice we hope you make, or, well, you know what that other choice is, <laughs> because we're not going to change for that. And so this idea of being an independent cowboy Christian is not biblical. You could say that a byproduct of true conversion, remember we said last week, you heard, you believed, and you were sealed. Somebody over there was listening, okay? And, and so that's, that's conversion. And, and you could say that a byproduct of a true conversion, conversion is someone who loves God deeply and loves his people deeply. Now, this is the pushback. Pastor Jim, man, church is messy. You don't know anything about it because you're the pastor. Okay. (laughs) You know, people are messy. Well, listen, God loved you and you were messy, right? God loved me. I was was a hot mess when I came to him. Not, Not so much better now, but, you know, definitely improved. And this loving of God and loving of people, even if they're messy people, being part of the body of Christ is a big part of what we call the cross-centered life. It is an evidence of God's grace upon you, and it is an evidence of being sealed by the Holy Spirit. 
It's an evidence of a person who, who seeks to know God and his character more deeply and how God works among his people. I wonder, are, are we looking at how God works among his people? Do we want to be someone who's involved in the lives of people or do we just want to be our own island? Just picture the cross for a second. Right? There's one right in back of us here. It goes in two ways. It goes vertically up and down. It goes horizontally across. Let's think about it vertically, up and down. Um, when you trust in what Jesus did on the cross, notice that cross is empty because Jesus is no longer on it. The tomb is empty. He has risen from the dead. And when you trust in the work of Jesus on the cross, that opens the door to your relationship with God, that you are now able to really receive his love, you are able to know him, you're able to truly love him. If you have never put your trust in Jesus Christ, you can walk through that door tonight. It is that simple. Remember from last week, that simple. You heard, you believed, and you were sealed. It's that simple. So you can do that tonight. But let's picture the cross horizontally, okay? A cross. It's love and service towards the people of God, not waiting for the professionals to do it. When I hear people say, oh, you're in the professional ministry, I almost get sick to my stomach. I'm like, I'm just a dude in jeans, who gets up there, who, who really has probably the gift of study more than anything else. I just love to study the Bible, and then I love to get up and talk with God's people about what it means, and then I love to watch. Then I love to watch what God does with his people who've sat under his word. Now, this idea of, of waiting for the church to do something is really unbiblical. And it's such a hindrance to the individual Christian. If if you're always waiting for somebody else to do something, that that is just not the way to do it. And not only is it a hindrance to you individually, it is a hindrance to the growth of the gospel. Here's a a verse that we use as our community group uh, theme verses, but But I want to talk about what it actually means in a second. Uh, John 13, 34, and 35, a new commandment Jesus said, I give to you, this is at the Last Supper, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, how did Jesus love us? Pretty incredibly, huh? And that's the way he tells us to love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Isn't that interesting? Jesus says when they walk into Calvary Chapel, Mars Hills, it's not just the music. It's not just the, it's just not the message that, that, that the way people interact with one another, the way people love one another, that is going to be a powerful apologetic. That is going to be a parable, a powerful defense of the faith. People are going to see that. And they're going to say there's something different about those people. My church, we come five minutes late, and as soon as the thing is over, the priest has barely said amen, or the pastor's barely said amen, or the rabbi's barely said, you know, whatever he says. (laughs) And then they're out the door. 
cutting each other off in the parking lot. These people, they, they don't want to go home. What's up with the, what's up with this? And so we love one another. So what does that mean? I mean, what does it look like to actually love one another? Is it like, oh, Hollywood, like, oh, I love you. Oh, you're the best. I just love you. And then, you know, just not care about anything. Well, the same writer, John, writes in his epistle, his letter, 1 John 3, 16, by this we know love. He's saying this is how we know it. Because he laid down his life for us, because Jesus laid down his life for us. He said, no one takes my life. I lay it down. I willingly give my life because of that. And what we might say, or because of that, we also lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, now, brethren is, is people that are brothers and sisters in Christ. So he's saying, just in the way that Jesus laid down his life for us, we lay down our lives for others. So does that mean we all need to get up on a cross and die for people? No, that's not what he's talking about. What, what, what is he saying? In other words, we are to make sacrifices for others. We are to make sacrifices for other people in the church to the point in time where it is extremely costly. It costs Jesus his own life. And so he says that's how costly the sacrifices are going to be. We are not, not to be consumers of religious goods and services. That is not what the church looks like. So now, if you are a guest with us here tonight, I want you just to sit back. I want you to sit back and I want you to enjoy while some of the other people squirm in their seat. You ready? Here we go. Here we go. This is a golden opportunity for me to say that some of you who have been here a long time should be volunteering in the church and serving other people. You should be doing that. If you are physically unable, you say, oh, can't do it, I'm physically unable, then try to come an hour before church starts and do the heavy lifting in the prayer room. There's something for everyone to do. Now, here's what people say. I have to pray about that. <laughs> okay, I get that. But, but... <laughs> It's not so much that I have to pray because we're supposed to serve one another. It's not so much that I have to pray that I ha- whether I have to serve one another or not. You can, you can try different things. We have a joke around here. Like, you know, when you serve at a volunteer position here, it's not a life sentence. All right. We're probably not going to ask you if you want parole, but, but, but it's not a life sentence. You can try something and move from, from, from something to something else. I used to be a volunteer crowd control youth person for many years. Some of you are like, right now I'm wishing you still were a crowd control youth person for many years. Um, but, but often when you say I have to pray about it, let me tell you what you really should be praying about. You have to be praying about what you're going to drop to obey God. That's probably the bigger problem than anything else is that it's not that people people say, I want to serve God, but I have this reason why I can't. So we need to be praying about what we're going to drop so we can serve God instead of whether we should serve God or not. We are commanded to serve God. You don't have to think about that. You don't, you don't have to think about that. Again, if you can't physically do it, 
Come and do the heavy lifting in the prayer room. Pray in between the services. Do whatever you can do. But we have to give certain stuff up. Same thing with our money. We're always like, oh, I would love to contribute to, to, some, to some money to stuff, right? We don't beg for money. We don't have to beg for money. But, but a lot of times we don't have money because we're praying about, oh, God, should I give money? Should I not give money? Uh, instead of saying, God, what should I give up? What are the sacrifices I need to make in order to serve you better? Thank you for listening to Change by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing message of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website? Changedbyloveradio.com That's changedbyloveradio.com Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or to request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray that you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching through God's Word with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.